Honey, pull the... <laughs> Hi. Welcome to Elvira's Past, Present, and Future. Always busy here before the show, so she, you caught me talking to a lot of other people. But anyway, I'm on the air, and my attention is all on you. Tonight, we are going to talk with Jordan Maxwell and with Michael Lindemann, and we are going to talk about UFOs and the New World Order. That should be of interest to everyone. And uh, Michael Lindemann is the author of many books on UFOs and alien presence, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. And Jordan Maxwell, I hope lots of you caught him on CBS. He did uh, Ancient Mysteries of the World, and it was a most extremely interesting program. I enjoyed it very much. I taped it, and I hope a lot of you saw it, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But mainly, we'll talk about the, the role the UFOs play, or the alien present plays, in that New World Order. So um, stay tuned. It will be a most interesting show. And now, introduction to our guest. He is a futurist social analyst. He's also an author and a lecturer. He is president of the 2020 Group, a private research organization stud studying forces that shape our future. He is dynamic, humorous, and pen a penetrating speaker who enjoys challenging the skeptics as well as the believers. Please give a big hand to Michael Lindemann. Michael. Great to have you on the show. Very happy to be back. Thank you. Good. And this, my next guest is no stranger to the show. He is also an author, a teacher, and a lecturer on ancient religion and astram mythology. And he, he is an expert in secret societies and symbols and how they affect us today. So tonight we'll talk about UFOs and the New World Order, and you have two experts on this panel here who, you, who will tell you what our future holds. So please give a big hand to Jordan Maxwell. Jordan, great to have you on the show. It's always a pleasure to have both of you on the show because it's kind of kind of nice because I know you're like um, a well of information, both of you, and I kind of can shut off and can allow you to take over. Absolutely. So, um, Michael, I'm going to start with you. How do you feel the UFOs phenomena phenomena will fit into the new world order? Well, Vera, I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I'm rewriting a paper by that title that I first published in 1992 and I realized that things had changed so much even in the last two years that I had to look at the whole situation again. And uh, I think by now uh, probably everyone who hasn't been living in a cave for the last 10 years realizes that our world is changing at a tremendous rate of speed. And I've been reading a lot of the sort of the straight literature, not the esoteric stuff, but just the straight literature, the newspapers and magazines. And all of them are saying, and all the commentators and the political analysts are saying that with the end of the Cold War, the world is now more uncertain, more unstable, more up for grabs than it's been in a very long time. Okay, now some people think that's very good, some people think it's not. But it's a time when change is the only constant and things, un the unexpected is, is the most expected, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. um, now, one thing they're not bringing in, the straight press is not bringing in, except as in sort of the, in the joke column, okay, is the UFO phenomenon. Or I'd, I'd like to, for the sake of your audience, throw out a new 
term, a new acronym here. Mm -hmm. We've been using UFO for five decades. It's loaded with baggage, and it connotes in a lot of people's minds uh, kind of uh, goofy pseudoscience. Yes. You know what I mean? So what we've realized by now is, first of all, even though it's extremely strange, it's not goofy. Uh, in fact, some recent studies have demonstrated that even people who claim to have had onboard experiences, who claim to see aliens literally in their bedroom or in their backyard, these people, from a clinical point of view, for the most part, are not crazy at all. Mm -hmm. Quite the contrary. Mm -hmm. They're intelligent, capable, successful people. White-collar workers, most of them. College-educated, most of them. In fact, it's an amazingly high-level group of people who are reporting the most extraordinary experiences. Now, some people want us to believe that the UFO subject is nothing but lunatics with goofy ideas. So we're finding out clinically that isn't true. At the same time, people who've been studying the phenomenon are convinced that there is a, let's say, a secret level to our government and to other governments where it is recognized that the UFO phenomenon is not only real, but really important. So the big question is, if all of the politicos and political analysts and everyone who's talking about the New World Order knows that the world is changing at breakneck speed, how does this big secret fit in? Okay, well, now, to be perfectly frank with you, I have to say, I don't know, but I have a suspicion that it fits in in a very, very big way that has always been a very, very big problem. And that what we're looking for is a reorganization of government and of public opinion which allows us to start telling the truth about the UFO phenomenon because right now it is probably the single biggest political hot potato that we've got and I know that Jordan's got some things to say about that so I want to pitch him the ball now and mm -hmm. um, we can come back but I really think that it's the it's the largest unspoken unacknowledged political mm -hmm. uh, problem looming on the horizon, which is going to change the way the future comes out. I'm always amazed that, that I still run into people who say, I don't believe in it, it's all bullshit, you know, I no. mean, <laughs> really like that. You know, and, and to me it is just, why do we think we should be the only one? It doesn't even make sense to me in this, in this galaxy that Earth should be the only one with life. And we'll get back to the face on Mars and all that, but right. Jordan, um, with your symbols and mysticism, and, and of course, I love your article in the book, in this book, um, that the book your church does not want to, you to read. How does the UFO phenomena fit in, or, or what do you see as the New World Order? Well, How if we go back into ancient history and follow the, the march of world history from uh, even prior to the Sumerians, but especially from Samaria, then Egypt, and Phoenicia, and all of the ancient cultures coming down to our modern day, there has never existed one culture on the earth that did not recognize the gods and the gods who were behind the kings and the great gods who were behind all things. Not one culture has ever existed that did not recognize that there were higher forces at work on the earth. Uh, I, there is no doubt in my mind that our government is also very keenly aware of the existence of higher intelligences and I recall as I have brought out in your program before that my mother's uncle worked at the Vatican Secretary of State's office in the uh, 
And in that capacity, he, he was privy to many things going on in the world of intrigue and international politics. And the things he used to talk about when I was a child, about the occult or hidden uh, wisdom behind the world scene and the hidden implications of the symbols and emblems and uh, the religious philosophies and how these things are all enmeshed in politics. And uh, there, even within the Christian and Jewish religion, there is much uh, proof in the Bible of the existence of angels or spirit creatures who are influencing man's uh, uh, destiny. So I have no problem with, uh, with uh, believing that there is some sort of a extraterrestrial, if you will, uh, intelligence, because just even the, the knowledge that the ancient Sumerians, for instance, and the Egyptians had about our universe, about the, uh, the whole concept of the uh, procession of the equinox, how the sun moves backwards in the signs and, and the different uh, astrological symbols and the, uh, and the astrological terms. And, and uh, there's just too much occult or hidden knowledge that was known by the ancients that could not have been just intuitive, had to have been from someone out there who brought the knowledge to us. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of very good scholarship that's proving that there has been some sort of a connection between us and other life forms from out mm -hmm. there. So I think it can be proven. Yeah, but how will this, how do you see, in your opinion, and, and Michael, you can answer that too, in your opinion, how do you see this kind of getting intertwined with the new world government? I well, mean, First of all, I want to echo something that Jordan has said because I realized I started a thought that I didn't complete a minute ago, and that was that um, when we use the term UFO, it's as if we're talking about our cars. If, 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 some, if some beings from another planet came here and went back home and said, boy, have they got great cars, and they said, well, that's nice. How about the people? No, 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 the cars, they're great, okay? It's like that when we talk about UFOs. We're actually talking about contact with non-human intelligence. It could be gods, it could be angels, it could be aliens, it could be extraterrestrials, it could be interdimensionals, we don't know. What it looks like is we're right at the threshold of realizing that we belong to this wildly diverse population of, in of intelligent inhabitants of this, uh, maybe right here of this planet even, things that live here, that have lived here longer than we have even, okay? Now, how does it fit in? It's problematic. If you look at the spread of opinion about the New World Order. There's, you could say, the politically correct view held by people like, say, Henry Kissinger on the one hand, and then there's all of the shades of radical view that kind of spread out from there uh, that get more and more conspiratorial, and a lot of it gets very, very religious, very tied, for example, to uh, apocalyptic Christianity and so forth. Now, I'm, I have decided that I can only speak to the range of opinion and cannot, dis and cannot say, right there, that part, that's the right part, right there. I can't do that. And I don't think it's fair to do that, because we have a great many different people helping us paint a very complex picture here. But generally, we're faced with two, or a number of different problems. Problem number one, are we actually in control of this planet or not? <laughs> All right. And I believe that as far as we, practically speaking, here on Earth, the people of this planet, that may turn out to be the fundamental challenging issue of our time. Are we actually in charge of this planet or not?
Or are we someone else's science experiment, someone else's political ghetto, mm -hmm. someone else's um, someone else's petri dish? Yeah. Okay, uh, someone else's penal colony. There are many definitions that are, have been applied to this situation, which are extremely problematic. Um, I don't want to arouse any uh, religious uh, uh, conniption fits here, but um, I have been puzzling um, about, uh, just as Jordan said, been puzzling a lot about the various religious traditions of the world, all of whom have pantheons of gods who are described remarkably the same time after time after time. And where, the way it turns out is it looks an awful lot as if, as if the gods were not God, capital G, some entirely uh, transcendental, almighty, one super thing, but actually a technologically sophisticated um, being, or group of beings more likely, who came in, set up shop, uh, got everyone to build temples and landing fields and uh, uh, pyramid structures which actually helped them to guide or maybe even channel energy in and so forth and became the pantheons that we today call mythological but in those days were absolutely real and one of those gods I think has been figured has figured very large in our in our existence and that is the god known as Yahweh Okay. Yeah. Okay, now, is that God, capital G, Jehovah, you know, the one almighty mm -hmm. high honcho? Maybe. But the amazing thing is, Yahweh sounds an awful lot like a, like a rather irascible warlord, if you read <laughs> the literature. Absolutely. Okay, and you say to yourself, you know, one of the most fascinating things about the relationship between the ancient Hebrews and Yahweh was the ancient Hebrews were always disobeying Yahweh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't that why the Hebrews, why, isn't that why we say, why, why today the big myth is the Jews were always in trouble because they were always going against God? I had this idea the other day. I was thinking to myself, maybe it's because they had it right. Maybe it's because Yahweh was a real, a real jerk, you know, and and you know, and and the Jews, being a very, a, be, a very willful, very smart people, said, "We don't want to follow this guy, you know. He's got great saucers, and he's got great guns, and he's got, you know, he's got, he, he does flames really good, okay. But you know, he's he's a really he's a jerk. We don't like this guy." Now, the Babylonians had their gods, and yeah. the Sumerians had their gods, the Egyptians had their right. gods. We had Yahweh. What did the gods do? They battled each other. But, you know, when they weren't working, they were off raping people and, you know, and burning other people's villages down and stuff sure. like that. I mean, it says so in the Bible. Okay, <laughs> if we're going to take the Bible literally, yeah. we might as well take it literally yeah. and say, okay, now, what does this tell us about today? What it tells us about today is a number of things. First of all, Mythology is a very tricky business, and mythology is always happening. We're in a time today when we're building new mythology, okay, and the mythology is going to, in a sense, supersede some of the old mythology. But we're at a time today when you might say the sky is opening up and possibilities we didn't ever imagine are, are raining down on us, and it's going to get very, very <coughs> surprising. Yeah. Very surprising, okay? Scary, maybe. Scary, maybe. Surprising, definitely. Um, I think when we start to meet the gods, and I think we will, we're going to find out that they're not as nice as we want them to be, and they're not as powerful as 
they want us to think they are, but they do pose a challenge. Fundamentally, right down bottom line, is this our planet or not? And I think that this is a very good reason for people to sit up and pay attention because we, whether you believe in aliens or not, whether you believe in the Illuminati or not, we do have to answer the fundamental question, are we willing to take responsibility for this planet? That is the question of the day. Whether you're an environmentalist or whether you're talking about recapturing the, democ the democratic process, whatever your particular <coughs> angle is, the question is, are you willing to take responsibility for this planet or not? Because there are people and there are beings out there who are wrestling for control of this planet. I'm sure of that. And that, I believe, is, is where that intersection is occurring. At that point, I'd like to... Yeah, you also, let me just say, you write something about that, that we are going into a new age, dear, yes. and it goes apparently... Well, yes, and that's according to the Bible, yeah. because um, I believe the, the Bible is telling us an encoded story. I think there's more to the story than has met the eye. But one thing, one point I wanted to bring out is that in both the Old and New Testament of the Bible, in all of the Bible, Old and New Testament, there are only two scriptures in the entire Bible where the word God is used, and of course it's used all the way through. There are only two scriptures where that word God it means a, a nebulous, all-encompassing, divine, spiritual force in the universe. Only two scriptures mean that. All of the scriptures in the Bible that talk about God means actual entities, more than one. <clears throat> that's right, more than one. <clears throat> more than one, and that's why Very even, <clears throat> excuse me, more than one, because uh, in Genesis 1-1, it is a mistranslation to say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is not what it says in Hebrew. It says, in the beginning, Elohim created the universe, or created the heavens and the earth. Elohim is God in the plural, more than one. That's why later on in Genesis uh, 1, or Genesis 2, God says, come, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, here's an interesting point. The rabbis that I have talked with say that there are two different ways to understand that scripture that says in uh, Genesis 2, God said, come, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. There is the one way that we understand that, which is, we, we are reading it to say that God is saying to someone, let's make a creature called man, <clears throat> and we'll call, him, we'll call him man. Let's make a creature, and we'll make him to look like us or have our attributes or whatever. Or it could be saying, and the rabbis believe it is actually saying, uh, the emphasis should be on different words. Come, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness implying that man's already here, but for being so great, he's not that great. So someone is stepping in and, and uh, intervening in our uh, evolution and saying, let's take man and make him in our image. Let's fix him. Let's fix him. Yeah. Because right now he's, he's progressing, but it's going to take him another million years to figure out what's going on. Why don't we take a male and a female, take them over, and do something with them genetically, put them in, a, in an area, because the Bible does not say that God created man in the Garden of Eden. It says God created, the gods created man, and put 
him into the garden. And when they left the garden, they left and found people out there. <clears throat> it yes. says so in the yeah. Bible, okay? Right. Yeah. There were all around the garden were people. Yeah. And, and when uh, Adam and Eve were told, had two sons, Cain and Abel, when Cain kills his brother Abel, yeah. God says, you have to leave out of this protected area. Cain says to God in the scriptures, do not send me out there because anyone finding me out there is going to kill me. Yeah. Now he's got God believing there's somebody out there because God says, no, I'm not going to let them kill you. I'll put a mark on you. Now God believes there's somebody out there. Mm -hmm. The point is, is that there must have been people out already there, but not as highly developed and not highly uh, uh, evolved. Mm -hmm. So that it would, it would be reasonable if you took a, a caveman or a Neanderthal uh, race of people and took two out and then through some sort of a high technology genetically changed them and evolved them quickly mm -hmm. and then send you back out into a Neanderthal civilization. Uh, now you're going to be totally different, and they're going to remember that you left, and now you come back different. Uh, it all smacks of something else that's in the Bible that we haven't been told. So, so you, you let's let's get this. The new world order. You see it? Do you see it as a breakdown of the re religion and our thinking, or how we've been been taught, or do you actually see it? They will come back and someone else will rule us. We'll talk about this in just a few minutes. We'll take a very short break and we'll be right back. Hi, welcome back to Elvira's Past, Present and Future and to our great guests, Michael Lindemann and Jordan Maxwell. And I'm going to let you answer that question that I just asked before we went on a break. I also want to remind you in a few minutes we will take any phone calls that you have and we will take audience participation. So please, the mic should be there. Just raise your hand and let me know when you're ready to speak, okay? Michael, you said you'd comment on well, that. What part expect? of the problem, part of the problem that we face, uh, Elvira, is of course that government is not a single thing. Government is many layers, and some of the higher layers are doing things that the lower layers, meaning the people we elect, don't know about. At the higher levels, I am now convinced that, first of all, there is knowledge that these very large global issues involving non-human intelligences are really looming, and there's always been a management problem, how to tell the people, how to control what may happen, and so forth. It raises a number of disturbing questions. Is any part of our government actually working with aliens, if you want to use a shorthand term? It's not a good term, but let's say aliens. The answer there is hard to be sure of. I'm leaning in the direction of saying, yes, probably. At the very least, I'm now convinced that that level of government has quasi-military agencies, maybe not our regular military, but certainly quasi-military groups and agencies monitoring the alien situation very, very carefully. Now, if we look at the range of alien-type activities, we see everything from stuff that looks really bad to stuff that looks potentially very good. You showed me something when we started the sh before we started the yeah. show. This is this message from the so-called Ashtar Command. Now, I've looked into the Ashtar Command, and I don't want to scandalize anybody because there's people watching this who are absolutely sure that messages like this are, you know, Absolutely true. <laughs> absolutely true. I'm not going to say they're not absolutely true. I'm going to say that they're one part of a very complicated picture. This basically is saying the Ashtar Command is going to land on the White House lawn. They literally say that. It's going to happen this year. And they're going to give us, the people, an opportunity to choose whether we want help from the aliens because our world is in serious trouble, it's being polluted and so forth, and we've messed it up. They can help us. 
if we want their help. Now, I want to tell you a very interesting story very quickly and then let Jordan go here. There's a wonderful researcher, she is a PhD researcher named Carla Turner, who has just written a very important book, and I hope that some of your listeners will go out and get it. It's called Taken, Inside the Human Alien Abduction Agenda. One of the things this woman, and she's an abductee herself, one of the things that she's pointing out is that a lot of abductees are seeing situations in which the humans are showing up human beings military many often dressed in military are showing up in abduction scenarios as if they are invited to observe or even perhaps participating it raises some very scary problems but i want to uh, mention one particular thing that happened to her she had she her experiences were so alarming to her and they happened over many years and they're happening to her husband as well that she began to pray, and she's not a religious person. She broke down and she said, I'm going to pray about this. Okay, there must be somebody up there listening. She said, please tell me what's really going on. And she had an extraordinary experience. She said it was like a dream, but it was so lucid that she knew it was not a dream. And in fact, in the middle of it, she literally came out of the state she was in, got up in the middle of the night, got up, went to the bathroom, looked at her watch, sat down to think about it, and at that very second, she was back in it. Now, what was happening? She was being shown over and over and over again a biblical story of Jacob and Esau. Oh, yes. The biblical yes. story of Jacob and Esau was the story where Isaac, the elder, yeah. was dying. Mm -hmm. Esau, the, the older son, was had given away his birthright to the younger son, Jacob, when Esau was starving. Jacob said, I've got food, you give me your birthright, you can have some food. Oh, that's so, not how I read it. The that, mother deceived the, the that dying That is how, father. then, 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 but that, well, yeah, that, yeah. The, see, the, 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 that, that was happened. the side okay. deal. Okay. Then when it came time, when Isaac was leap, when oh, was oh. dying, when okay. it came time, Jacob went in, put a calfskin on his right. arm yes. so that the, 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 the father, Isaac, who was now blind, would say, this is my son Esau who has yes. the hairy body, okay? Right. All right, now. They showed her this story over and over and over again. They said, do you understand what we're telling you? This is not about the Bible. This is about what has happened on your planet. This is how it went. This is a symbol. Listen carefully. Esau was the original human. Esau gave up his birthright, not because he wanted to, but because he was manipulated. Jacob is the new human, okay? Jacob was given this by an act of God, if you will, but it was born of deception. This is the story. It is happening again. They went further, very important, because here we have this story here where the Ashtar Command is going to come in in peace and love and light and save us from our stupidity. These beings said to Carla Turner, you will hear stories that the aliens are going to present themselves as your savior at the time when you are no longer able to run your own affairs. They will come in in peace and love and light. They will seem godlike. They will want to save you. They will offer you the option. These beings said to her, don't buy it. You fell for it once don't fall for it again. They said, if you really want to know what's happening, there are lots of options out there, and now you must choose if you are going to give it away again, or if you are going to say, not this time, 
we'll do this ourselves. We'll show we can, we'll show we're strong enough, we'll show we're willing to be that kind of smart, that kind of disciplined. Not again. You will not take it from us again. Now, I happen to feel that that is a very possible, correct interpretation of the situation. That we're going to be, we're going to be challenged to really use our discrimination this yeah. time. And, and think and not just give our power away. Jordan, comment on that, because this is right up your alley, all this. It certainly is, because religion. I had not heard the story before, but it certainly strikes a note with me, because I am aware that the ancients were led by uh, otherworldly knowledge to set up what we today call the, the zodiac, the astrological symbols of the zodiac, and that each one of these 2,000 250 years, whatever it is, it's a little over 2,000 years for each one of the cycles of the zodiac, the signs. When the sun comes into each one of the zodiological signs, we are in that sign for a little over 2,000 years. And according to uh, astrology, we have been in the age of Pisces. Uh, and, uh, and that was, of course, Jesus was the great fisherman. The fish is on the back of Christian cars. The fish, of course, was Pisces. And then Jesus says to his apostles in Luke 22, 10, uh, when asked, where are we going to go when we leave uh, for the last Passover? Where do we go next? And Jesus says to his 12, which uh, is interesting that it was 12 apostles. 12 uh, he's, Yes, because of the 12 signs of the zodiac. He says, uh, go into the city and you will see a man with the water pitcher and go into the house with the man with the water pitcher. We're talking about the sun, God's yeah. sun, the light of the world, the sun saying to his 12, the next sign we will go into is the man with the water pitcher. Now what I'm saying in relation to what he brought out is that we're now talking about a new world order, a novus ordo seclorum, which comes from Virgil, incidentally, the, uh, uh, the Roman poet Virgil, but it seems as though we are being set up to accept something that's coming to be a great new world order kingdom of the gods, the gods are going to come back, and I think what, uh, what Michael was saying is very germane to what my, my research, mm -hmm. that we are being set up to accept something as a great and new world order kingdom in which all mankind will live in peace and harmony, I think we're being set up for something very serious and very big by some very powerful secret societies that very well could have extraterrestrial or other world intelligence guiding it. I am very fearful for the world we live in because we bought it hook, line, and sinker, and all over the world we have accepted the authority as truth rather than truth as the authority. And mm -hmm. I think that what Michael yeah. was saying is exactly right. I think we are being led into, and we do have other options, but it's going to require intellect, knowledge, study, and making a stand for the first time not to accept the things which your government gives you, which your religions give you, and which the authorities give you. Because as far as I'm concerned, I have a very big problem with anyone called an authority, because they're always nebulous, faceless, and we don't know who they are, and the authorities say, I'm tired of authorities. I want to know who's behind this new world order, who put the Egyptian pyramid on the dollar bill, what is the implication of Jesus being the 
chief cornerstone that the builders rejected, and the Greek word chief cornerstone means a triangle on top of a pyramid. Do your homework and you're going to find out there's something going on here in the Bible, in world affairs, and I think we're being led by some very powerful intellects. I have some very big questions about all of this. Yeah. And the house of cards is going to fall. Now, I wanted to quickly, because I do want to put out that you have written several books, and I have one of them here, and, and I wanted to say, you stick strictly to facts, though, because yes. I know I read the book, you do not use this mythology simply because that's what you chose to do. Is another book in the works yes. where you will use more of this type of story that you just told us, or this, these types of... Yes, well, the answer to your question is yes, and I'll tell you why. As I said at the beginning of the show, I cannot say that this part is true and the rest is not. Mm -hmm. Okay, what I can say is that there is this very powerful conversation occurring which is shaping a new mythology, whether we like it or not. I'm not saying it's true, but I am saying it's powerful. I'm saying it's mm -hmm. happening, it's occurring. And behind every mythology, I know Jordan will agree with this, behind every mythology there are surprising truths. There are things that are true and you have to, you have to dig down through the levels of interpretation. But I do believe that in the mythologies of the gods there were true encounters with, with quasi-divine, super-powerful beings. I believe that we see this occurring today. I am inclined, yes, definitely to stick to the facts, but we have to realize, too, that it is not just facts that drive history forward. But what I'm trying to say is you started out with really sticking to facts and just doing research, and you're kind of, as you got all the facts, you drew different conclusions, right? Yes, yeah. and I want to say again, I am trying to present a range of possibilities. Mm -hmm. Not saying yes. that any one of these possibilities is a fact, yeah. but that if we start to try to understand what the facts add up to, we start to see these very large, complex pictures, yeah. okay? Yeah. I, we, are, we are in a time of huge uncertainty. No matter who you ask, you'll get that answer. Definitely. And what is driving the uncertainty are some of the most extraordinary unacknowledged things that we have ever encountered and I believe that some of those things are the things we've been talking about tonight. I want to add one very quick thing. I share Jordan's view that um, a lot of the so-called religious authority is going to come into serious question in the future but I would also like to point out that the woman whose story I just told yes. you is not a religious woman quite the contrary but she took in effect a spiritual leap of faith by sitting down against her common practice mm -hmm. sitting down and praying and when she opened herself and said, I really need some help here, I really need to know what the heck is going on, she got this extraordinary response, which was crystal clear, which took her all night long. She was carried up into this event, mm -hmm. and, it, and it was absolutely crystal clear to her. Now, what, I'm, what I get from that is that sometimes spiritual truth arrives in unexpected packages, okay? Mm -hmm. And it is there to be found. Yeah. I am, on it. Not, I am yeah. not rejecting that one yeah. bit. I just think that we should not jump to the most handy or most comforting spiritual yes. truth that happens to be lying around. Yeah, really. You're going to take a call. Eva, you're on the airline one. Hello. Thank Hello? you. Yeah. Gentlemen, have you ever heard or read uh, Mrs. Blavatska? She's... Helena uh, Petrovna Blavatsky? Right. Yes. Right. Yes, I have all of her works. You have? Yes. Well, that's why... Yes. I no, think her, her, her best work was Isis Unveiled, Part 2, which is uh, Theology. Right. 
and uh, that was an exceptional uh, work. I think that Helena Petrovna Bovlatsky, the Russian mystic, was a very wise and perceptive lady, and she had some very profound uh, knowledge, uh, obviously, and her academic uh, uh, achievements were, were extraordinary, and so I have a very high respect for the work of Helena Bovatsky. It does not necessarily have to mean that I follow every single thing that she believed, but I believe her work was monumental in this, in this, uh... Eva, did you have a certain question that you wanted to ask her? Well, because everything that she wrote about, and uh, now mm -hmm. it's like an echo. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. There is a lot of similarities. And, uh, You're right. Thank Great. you very much. Mm -hmm. Thank, thanks for sharing. Thank you. I think it's interesting. She said in the 1890s that in the 1990s, she said in 100 years, we're going to have a whole new explosion of, of understanding that's going to stagger the imagination of religionists and people of religion and, uh, and people who really just haven't looked at these subjects very, uh, they're going to be forced to look at some very powerful facts concerning our existence on this earth. And uh, I, I am really very much dedicated to the proposition that we have to, as human beings, do some homework. We had better find out where these religious ideas have come from, concepts and belief systems have come from, because as I have brought out in your program many times before, there was a definite collusion between government and religion in this world of, that we live in today, and especially in America, is that true? And so, secret societies. Yes, and secret and societies behind both. Yes, absolutely. Unfolded. We'll take another call. Michael, line two, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Michael. Are you there? Hello? Yes. Yes, Do you have you ever read the book Behold the Pale Horse by Milton William Cooper? Yes, I was a guest on William Cooper's program a couple of times. I've had dinner with him. I know him well. I've read his book. And uh, so I find it to be a very fascinating book and it has a lot of very important material in there, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, you do know that they did burn down his station when he predicted they were going to kill the people at, uh, at Waco. And that's what I heard. I, I don't know if that... Yeah, it's, it's a document. Yeah. Have you read the book Inside the New Age uh, Nightmare by uh, Randall and, and Bayer? Yeah, I, ha I have the book. I just haven't got into it. He was it. Uh, recently eliminated, too. He's dead now. And also, as for Ray Rennick, uh, I'm afraid uh, he's a victim of what they call the head on a post, a syringe, a shot that they give you to eliminate people like him that bring great truths out. And incidentally, many people in Santa Barbara are under surveillance, many, many people. Since the 60s, <clears throat> Blueprint, uh, Blue, uh, Project Blue Book had an office at the UCSB. And then there was a connection with the Center for the Study of Democratic Institutions, which was funded by the Rockefellers. Zbigniew Brzezinski, Kissinger used to go there. <clears throat> All these people used to go there. When I was 16 years old, I worked there. Oh. Uh, let me let me at yeah. this point bring Thanks, this. Michael. Yes. Yeah, comment on that. On the uh, when the president of the United States gives his uh, State of the Union message, uh, in that uh, hall, at, uh, you will see almost every night on television uh, someone giving a lecture or a speech on something at that um, large caucus room. There, are, there are both sides of the podium are two symbols of political power in America, and they're called fasci. They're a bundle of sticks with a hatchet head. 
and they are the symbols of world fascism. As I have brought out in your program before, I think that we are, our country and our people are in the hands of some very, very powerful secret societies, uh, symbols of fascism, uh, Nazism, communism are all around us, and we don't even know what these symbols mean. And so yeah. that's what I'm saying. And I also am a, am a firm believer that there's some sort of a connection between Nazism, fascism, communism, and secret societies. I think that can be proven. Uh, then again, to take the next step, I think, behind secret societies is some very powerful intellects manipulating us as a people in our country and perhaps all throughout the world. Mm -hmm. I, I really need to, to throw in a, yeah. sort of a different kind of a curveball here, especially when a gentleman like this calls and, and describes people who've been killed and so forth. We do know, of course, that, that people have been intimidated, some people have been uh, uh, treated very severely. That's been true in other countries, it's been true here as yeah. well. But I think we should not allow ourselves to be overly intimidated by that. We're coming to a time when we really have an opportunity to uh, be very vocal about whether or not we want the world to come out the way we want it or not. We're going to have to stand up and be counted. And I think mm -hmm. that now is not the time to, to say, well, someone got killed and therefore we should hide and, and run away. Not at all. I think that we're at a time um, when we have more democratic possibilities than we've ever had before. This program is an indication, for example, that we can do, on a, literally on a shoestring with volunteer help, we can do good television, we can have uh, you know, Absolutely. significant conversations week after week. We're getting more and more opportunities for self-publishing, we're getting more and more opportunities for work on the computer uh, networks, which allow people to share more information more rapidly than ever before, and now is the time when those technologies are more available to the common citizen than they've ever been before, which means if we, if we choose it, the so-called information monopolies have been broken. Now, there are efforts to, re, to, to, to regain control over that because the people yes. in charge mm -hmm. know the, the, know the, the threat. The time, the yeah. time of day. They know the threat, okay? So now is the time for people to recognize that citizenship has never been more important than, bef than, it's, than it is today, that the choices belong to us now, and that how, how long that window stays open is largely up to us now. So by all means, do not be afraid of the current situation. Literally, it's up for grabs for everyone. You're not more in the dark than the next person. Quite the contrary, we're all in this together and I really do think that now is the time to stand up and be counted. And that may mean that things get very, very active. Very, very active. Don't be afraid to, um, you know, to get active. Whatever your cause is, whatever your voice wants to say, say it now because if you sit back now, things are going to get very scary. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Yeah. I think and that this is the same kind of thing that the German people faced in Nazi uh, and, and Adolf Hitler's Germany. The point being is that so many people just let things go to go along to get along and before you know it the government became so powerful and things got out of hand until finally there was no reason now to fight at all. I think we're fastly reaching that point in our country where eventually we're going to be faced with either stand up now or, you, or, or not stand up at all. I want to make one quick point yeah. on that. Don't, don't forget Germany, what was there too is lots of unemployment and people looked at him as a That's savior when fascists because come into there power. was nothing. Right. You know. That's when fascism yes. takes over. That's right. Do simple homework on simple information. One of the most obvious examples of the situation we're in today is 
the difference between the public perception about crime and the actual statistics about yes. crime. And it is the public perception about crime which is allowing all of the new crime bills to be brought in, all of the new repressive gun control legislation to come in. It's not that I suggest people carry guns. I don't like guns. But the difference between perception and reality is huge. As a matter of fact, crime is way down, way down. According to the FBI, violent crime is 9% lower today than it was in 1981 when it peaked out. And yet, if you ask the general public, what they're finding is more than 80% of the public believes that crime is at an all-time high. Nothing could be further from the truth. We're being fed a pack of baloney, which allows this kind of legislation to be driven through, which becomes then the biggest issue on everybody's lips. But the fact is, society is getting safer, not less safe. And we have to understand that a little bit of simple homework can show you that anytime. Go out and buy Money Magazine this month, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Time after time after time, these misconceptions allow these travesties of justice and injustice to occur. Yeah, but at the same time, you put the television on. I do not even like to watch news because, I mean, there's drive-by drive -by shootings. Right, but that's what, they put, that's what they put on television. And that creates an, an yeah. unreal perception. And it takes, yes, and it takes our, our um, we do not focus really on the government. We focus mm -hmm. on the fear. Exactly. Right. Instead why of digging into our own power. That's why right. do you think that the justice system in California is called the criminal justice system? California criminal justice. Yeah. It's my perception that we are being given the justice by criminals. Mm -hmm. And they tell us that they have to let all of these people that, <laughs> yeah, been administered <laughs> by criminals. And they're telling yeah. us they have to leave the, uh, let these murderers and people go free because they don't have the room in the prisons. Yet if they catch you cheating $10 on your income taxes, they'll yes. find you in Afghanistan and bring you back and they'll have plenty of room. So the point I'm making is that we've been lied to by our government and we're continually being lied to being about lied everything to. and we're all being led into this fear and coming new world order and I'm saying it's time to wake up and do some homework. To, yeah, to, to wake up to actually also not buy into the fear. Yeah, and get and, your and own power back. And stand up and be counted. That's right. And uh, I'm sorry we do, don't have another hour, but we only have 30 seconds left.